Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum podcast is brought to you by Compassion International. The website, compassion.com slash sports spectrum. That's the place to go to. Check it out. You'll learn all about the great work being done at Compassion International, the most trusted child development ministry in the world. Over 2 million children being impacted because of the great work being done by Compassion International. And you and I can make that difference by sponsoring a child. It's awesome. What a privilege. What an opportunity to release a child from poverty. It's $38 a month. Food, education, medical care, vocational training, it's all done in Jesus' name. That's the best part. And these kids get to know who Jesus Christ is, and they get to be released from poverty. They get to have that little thing that we all deserve, that we all need, that we all want in life. It's called hope. So help give a child hope and release them from poverty by sponsoring them through Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. Today on the podcast, we welcome Trent Shelton to the show. Trent is a former NFL wide receiver. He's an inspirational speaker, and he's the author of the new book called The Greatest You that was released on May 7th, 2019. Trent had some stints with the Colts, Seahawks, and Redskins in the NFL, and then in the Arena League with the Tulsa Talons back in 2011. But his journey is about what football didn't give him that allowed him to go on a journey that maybe wasn't what he expected, but it's impacting a lot of people's lives. I mean, this guy is impacting over 50 million people weekly through his various social media outlets and his nonprofit organization called Rehab Time. He's got a great story. The book depicts a lot of it, and we try to paint that picture as best as possible here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Take a listen to this man's journey. Very inspirational. He is Trent Shelton on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Trent, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate you sharing your platform with me, and uh, hopefully we can impact some lives. Absolutely. That's the goal here, and pointing him to the kingdom for sure. Let's start with the book, The Greatest You, released May 7th. Tell us about the book, why you wrote it, and uh, you know, sort of the heart behind it. For sure. Well, this book is for anybody who wants to turn their pain into their power that has a past um, that might have lost something. For me, of course, it was football or maybe it's even a relationship for you, but you lost something and uh, maybe your identity was in that thing that you lost. and You feel like your life is over or you feel like, you know, there's no more to your life. Um, and I wrote this book to show people that you can turn that, you know, that past hurt into future strength. And there's a you inside of you that you haven't even met yet. You know, there's a you inside of you that's stronger than everything you've ever been through. And I want to help people, you know, find that greatest you inside of them. You write this book from a very transparent place. Why is it so important for you to be transparent as you tell your story? Well, I just, I figured out this just in my journey of being a speaker. And just when I look back over my life, that I always tell people your transparency will lead to other people's transformation. Mm. And when you're real, when you're honest, when you're transparent, you become relatable. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, going to church and, you know, sometimes I feel like the pastor, you know, wasn't being all the way transparent, great message, but I want to know more about the pastor and what he went through. And when I got around pastors that were telling about their journey and their struggle, I'm like, oh, I can relate to that. It's not a perfection that I can't reach. And so I really wanted to, to 
really bring that energy to the book for readers and even in my videos to let you know, like, yes, I might be doing something that's great in your eyes, but I still have the same, the same struggles that you go through. It's just that I find out ways to, to conquer those struggles. As you've seen your, your story out there, obviously with the book out there and even all the videos and different things that you share on social media and on YouTube, have you seen that that's helped others in their transparency? I know when I was transparent with my story in the book that I wrote, it just led to others being able to relate. It led to others saying, you know, you just told my story. I'm so glad I'm not going through this alone. Have you seen that with some of the stuff that you've shared? Exactly, Jason. I think it gives people that confidence and that permission to be vulnerable, to be open, to, you know, not keep those battles silent. You know, I mean, silent battles are the worst. And, you know, I lived a lot of my life smiling for the camera, but down behind the scenes saying I'm okay when I'm not okay. I'm good when I'm not good. So I think it gives people that, you know, you when you have somebody you look up to and it's like, oh, wow, like they can be open and transparent. And it's like freedom in that. It just gives them permission to do the same. Trent Shelton's our guest here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Let's learn a little bit about your background. As a kid, I know football was a big part of your life as you got older and certainly going into college and into the NFL, and we'll tell a little bit of that story in a minute. But as a kid, was sports just it for you? Was was football the biggest thing in your life? Yeah, sports was everything. I mean, since I was, I mean, five years old, growing up in New Orleans, I have two older brothers, so I really didn't have a choice. Just being around them and watching them and going to their games. And, you know, it was football, basketball, baseball, track for me all the way up to, you know, my sophomore year in high school. So I knew nothing else besides sports, and I didn't want to do anything else besides sports with my life. That was my identity. You go on and you play big-time college football at Baylor. Are you convinced at this point you know, because you get to Baylor and you're you're a pretty good player if you're playing college yeah. football at Baylor and, and, and starting wide receiver. Are you convinced at this point that you're going to be a high draft pick and at the NFL and maybe you're going to be the next Jerry Rice or whatever and the NFL is going to be in your future? Are you convinced at this point? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think every guy that plays sports, you know, wants to be the best at what they do. And I thought, you know, I was I was definitely going to be definitely a mid round pick. I know, you know, I just know going to Baylor, I know kind of the politics of it, you know, we weren't that good. So I knew it would be hard for me to be a first or second, third round pick, unless I ran like a four, two 40 yard dash, but sure. it was projected that I would go uh fourth, fifth round, you know, definitely late rounds, but uh, that never happened. Yeah. The NFL draft comes and your name isn't selected. Tell me about some of the emotions you were going through in that day and maybe just waiting on hoping to hear your name called and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, it was very tough. Um, it was me, you know, having to, you know, put up a front in front of everybody because, you know, everybody's there. We're watching the draft. And, you know, the first day was OK because I didn't expect to get called the first day. But the second day came around and that's when people started to call me and be like, man, are you good or what's going to happen? And my mom asked me these questions. And that was like the first time I really felt in my life that I was kind of running from the truth. I was um, hiding behind, you know, that smile and that that facade of, you know, being all right when I was worried, you know, I felt like everything I worked for was about to end in that moment. And I'm like, what do I do in my life now? You know, this is not going to happen for me. Take us to the NFL life for a second. We've had a lot of NFL players on here, guys that are potentially going into the Hall of Fame that are in the Hall of Fame and others like yourself who, you know, didn't quite achieve, if you will, the dream of playing 20 years and being a pro bowler every year or whatever. But take us into that life that you lived, your NFL life, trying to make a club as an undrafted free agent and what that time like was like for you. 
Yeah, it was pressure. I mean, it was hard because, as you said, when you're undrafted, uh, you start at the bottom of the totem pole. And, you know, I had a great rookie first year. I mean, I preseason the best on the team and, you know, almost the best in the NFL at that point. So I thought that my career would, would, would be long. You know, I thought me and Peyton would be hooking up for passes and everything like that. But it didn't work like that. Yeah, I got cut. I got released. And, you know, by being on the practice squad, it's like, you know, one drop, one mistake could be the reason you go home or, you know, somebody gets hurt and they have to bring in another guy and they release you just for that reason. So it was a very unstable life. Um, it was very I was losing a lot of my confidence. Um, and I honestly, you know, from being here the next day and going the next day and, you know, getting re-signed, my life was very unstable. You know, one week I was in Fort Worth, the next week I was in Indy, and then the next three weeks I'll be back in Fort Worth. So it was a very crazy life for me. Yeah. And your book, as we mentioned about being so transparent, depicts your your sort of rock bottom. So I'm going to ask you two questions because I think they they may relate to each other. Tell me about your yeah. faith in Jesus and when that became yep. real to you. And then tell me about the rock bottom and maybe uh, maybe they, those things intersect a little bit, but tell me about your faith first in Christ and kind of when that happened, when that took shape for you. Yeah. So I've grown up my whole life with, with faith in Christ. I mean, my dad's a pastor. I grew up in the church. And so God has always been a big part of my life, but to be super transparent, it wasn't until I was about 25. It wasn't until about 2008 hmm. when I made God the real rock of my life. Because I think before then, it was kind of like the relationship that my mom or my dad gave me. You know, it wasn't my own relationship that I, that I discovered. And so it took me, you know, hitting my rock bottom, losing sports, losing everything I identified myself with, losing, you know, my self-confidence, my self-esteem, losing my friends, losing my circle. And really, my life was stripped away. So I have no choice but to lean on God. And it was in that rock bottom where I say, you know what, I'm going to commit my life to actually living for you. I'm not going to talk and I'm going to live it. You're going to be a reflection of who I am. And uh, I'm not going to be a reflection of who you are, excuse me. And I'm going to let your light shine through me. And I just made that decision, man. And that's when rehab time started. I was like, it's rehab time. And that's what rehab meant, mind, body, and soul. I want, I love that. I want to talk about rehab time in a second, but can you go a little deeper into rock bottom? I know you tell about, talk, yeah. talk about it and write about it in the book. Some of the things that you were going through, like specifics on losing a friend to suicide and just all the things of, of finding identity in football and not having uh, that come through. Can you kind of go through a little bit of that with us in terms of what that rock bottom was truly like? For sure. So um, rock bottom for me consisted of about like two or three year span uh, off and on my highs and my lows. But the first was, you know, uh, having my now wife, which she wasn't my wife at the time, but I got her pregnant and mm -hmm. we wasn't together. And me having my son, I was it was in 2007. My son was born in 2008. And I was scared because I'm now, you know, that wasn't how I was raised to have a child out of wedlock. And so all these things are happening, going through my mind. This wasn't how I planned my life. But to kind of fast forward that my son is the disappointment. I thought having a pregnancy, you know, out of wedlock was, but my son ended up being my biggest rescue in my life. Mm. So that was a part of depression. And at the same time, I'm getting cut and released. I mean, Seattle, it was a time where I was in Dallas, Texas, and I get a call. They're like, hey, we want to bring you back. And I drive all the way back to Fort Worth, which is about a 45 minute drive. I pack some bags. I tell everybody I'm going back to Seattle. I'm on Facebook and, and I'm calling my friends and I get to the airport and they call me back and tell me, never mind. And so hmm. that was just the mind games that was happening with me. And I was turning to things like drugs, alcohol, sex, all these things to to fill me up for the moment, to have me escape the reality that I was I wasn't willing to face. 
And in that time, um, what really woke me up was, as you said, my college roommate, one of my best friends committed suicide. And it hurt me to the core because, you know, when you have a a close friend that's going through something and you don't know what they're going through, first you feel so much guilt in which I did. I'm like, man, I wish I could have been there for him. But going to his service and his funeral, it made stuff really real to me because I said, you know what, tomorrow isn't promising this could be me, you know, maybe not to suicide. Even I had, I had those thoughts because I thought football was over, but nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. And if my life ended today, could I really say that I lived a life uh, that would, that would be a reflection of Christ? Did I live a life of leading people towards the greatest you, or did I live a life that where I settled Did I live an incomplete life? And my answer was it was an incomplete life and I was afraid. So in that moment, I made a promise to my friend to be a voice for people and an ear for people. And I committed myself to living the best life possible I could and be a reflection of the things I actually believed in. And that was the process of rehab time really starting and really growing. Nobody likes going through adversity. Obviously when you're in the midst of it, it's not fun. It's, it's painful, but I always tell people, and I'm sure you do too. I can definitely already tell you that you do that adversity is life's greatest teacher. And I wonder for you if you can expand a little bit on the adversity that you walked through, especially in that rock bottom phase, but even adversity today. None of us are immune to it just because we're, you know, uh, things are happening and we're writing new books and things like that. We still have adversity that comes our way. Tell me about adversity and how that's helped shape you and form you into the man that you are. For sure. You know, ironically, I believe sports taught me a lot how to handle adversity. Sports really helped me understand a definition of pain. Now, I'm not telling anybody to put yourself through pain on purpose or to put yourself in harmful situations just to grow from it. But, you know, when you work out, when you train, you know, you have to put yourself through times when you want to break down. But that's when your breakthrough is created. That's where strength is created. So I realized in my life that all of these painful moments were moments that I went through, that I grew through, that I could turn into my power. Because if I wouldn't have went through the things that I went through, I wouldn't be able to help other people get through it. And so if you really look at the foundation of strength, it is adversity. It is pain because there's no strength without pain. And so I want to help people understand that through this book and even through this podcast right now, that the things that you went through, there's power in it. And God will allow you to go through places you don't understand just to bring you to the place where he needs you to be. So when I look back on my life and the times where I was complaining to God and angry at God, like, why are you allowing this happen to me? Or even it's funny, we we blame God for the situation we put ourselves in because <laughs> I had to take responsibility because I put myself in a lot of those situations. Yeah. But when I look back now, I realize that once I, you know, accepted the responsibility and asked for forgiveness, that he still had a plan for my life. And no matter the things that I did, no matter the mistakes that I made, the adversity that came in my life, all those things were going to work together for the good that God had for my life. And when I look back now, I wouldn't be able to be here at rehab time if it wasn't for the losses in my life and the setbacks. And as you are starting to go through this rehab time brand, I guess, and the growth in your own life, take us through the sort of, I guess, the way that you handle the platform that starts to increase for you, right? Because suddenly when the platform increases and there's a lot of good to that, and and I can attest to that on on a smaller level than you for sure, but there's also people coming at you and a lot of more eyeballs and there's responsibility that comes place. And there is a platform that God has given you to make sure you're pointing people back to him. Tell me about the growth of rehab time, but how you dealt with, I guess, the increase in your platform. 
Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. It was tough, and it still is tough at times. But this is a moment, like, you know, where I just kind of talked about how, you know, when you go through certain things, you might not understand, like, why you went through that storm until you realize the growth it produced. And so when I look back on my life now, I realize that football was just a vehicle for what I do now. And I was able to experience on a smaller scale now, I, like, clearly than when I was with the NFL. But on the, at the NFL, I was able to experience, you know, the things that I thought was success, you know, the money, the cars, the the notoriety, the significance. And I realized that when I had those things, I was still empty inside. So hmm. it made me understand that the external things that most people live for, you know, the like I said, the followers, the likes and the notoriety, it's not enough. It's a it's a false sense of fulfillment. And so now you fast forward to me doing what I have now. I realized that those things that most people will fall victim to that will that would increase most people's ego and, you know, all this other stuff. I'm not turned on by that. Like, I don't care about the attention. I don't care about the likes, except for this. The fact that it impacts lives and it's leading people closer to God. And so I'm able to handle it better now because I've already been through that. And so I'm focused on my internal reward. I'm focused on, you know, my the reward that God has for me, not the reward that man has or some platform on social media. So it's really helped me adjust to it by being able to experience it, you know, throughout my NFL career. And yet, unfortunately, we live in a culture, especially this new digital social media culture of the last decade, that breeds division in some ways and negativity and even hatred. How have you dealt yeah. with some of those energy vampires, as my friend John Gordon <laughs> likes to call them, that come into your lives and that come into all of our lives? How have you dealt with that? Yeah, well, I just understand, you know, I always say this, you know, we use the word hater a lot, like it's <laughs> probably over, overused, but yeah. I always tell people this, um, a hater is somebody who admires what you do. They just have a different way of showing it. Because I tell people, like, if someone knows so much about your life, they follow you on these social media sites, you don't pay attention to the things that you hate, you know, and it made me understand that, you know, hurt people hurt people. Obviously, we hurt that. And the more you can understand the source and where it's coming from, like, um, nobody that is doing better than you, unless they're threatened by you, is going to really try to, you know, as John Gordon says, you know, be that energy vampire. It's people that are hurt, people that are miserable, people that are not happy with their life. And I feel as if there's a responsibility that we have um, to help those people as best as we can. So when I first started, I'll be real with you. It kind of got to me. I was like, man, like, what did I do to this person? <laughs> right. And then I sat down there and I evaluated. I've done nothing to this person. This person doesn't even know me. I've you know, this person hasn't spent time with me and talked to me. It's just that they're hurt or they're going through something. And a lot of people think the best way to heal pain is to give pain. And so now as I become more secure with who I am, instead of allowing that getting to me, I'm able now to reach out and talk to those people or to say, you know what? I know you're going through something and I know that it's not personal. So I'm not going to take it personal, but hating on other people or bringing down other people is not going to help your life. And uh, it's worked really well, man. I've actually had people who have talked crazy to me and I reach back out to them and they say, you know what? I did that to get your attention because I need help. And I've helped a lot of people in that process. Wow, that's really good. He's Trent Shelton, former NFL wide receiver. And the new book is called The Greatest You, released on May 7th. I want to dive into just a couple topics that are in the book. One that's near and dear to me because my book is about this entire topic is forgiveness. And there's, yeah. a, there's a chapter in your book called Forgiveness is Not for Others, which 
Uh, it sort of echoes everything whenever I speak and talk to audiences about forgiveness that I say, can you dive a little bit into why you, se- you felt so important to write about forgiveness and what you mean by forgiveness not being for others? Yeah, so, you know, I just in my life and other people's lives, I mean, when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is, first of all, it's hard, especially when someone has hurt you or, or done wrong by you. It's very hard to forgive. And so um, I tell people, this and I realized this with my own life that if I don't forgive a person, I can move on from the person, but I'll never move on from the pain. And so mm-hmm. what we see is is that you'll see people who are you know ten years removed from a relationship or a friendship, but they're still being controlled by that person because that person still has the power over them. That person has changed them. So now you don't trust other people because this person hurt you. And now you're making people pay for mistakes that they didn't make. And so um, one of the ways that I, that I really get people to forgive is for one, I, I ask them is like, do you want, do you want this person that's controlled so much of your past to control so much of your future? And without forgiveness, they'll continue to control you for the rest of your life. Second thing I, I tell people is that God has forgiven you. Okay. So yeah. if God has forgiven you. You need to understand that you need to forgive other people because other people, nobody's perfect. And the third thing is that when it comes for yourself, it is for you. I mean, you don't want to keep yourself in a prison of pain for the rest of your life. Um, It doesn't excuse the behavior. It doesn't make it right what they did or that situation. But what it does is it frees you from that person. It frees you from the power. And then as you move forward with your life and give this forgiveness, the power that that person used to have over you, it starts to become powerless and you can actually move on and really and really reach your full potential. Because if you don't forgive, I feel like you'll never heal at the yeah. end of the day. So true. Trent, I want to ask you about one more topic that's in your book, and it's called Protecting Your Peace. Tell me about yes. why it's so important for you and why you felt led to lead to, to put that in your book as, as far as protecting your peace and what that means. Protecting your peace means disconnecting. It's disconnecting from the world. It's disconnecting from even your peers and It's self-care. Self-care is not selfish. And so I have a process that I tell people to do every single morning um, that you literally can start your day out by protecting your peace. And the first one is called the four A's. The first one is appreciation. Wake up and appreciate life. Gratitude. You know, thank God. One hundred and fifty thousand people die every day. So if you woke up and saw today, that is a blessing. The second A is affection. I always say a hug a day keeps depression away. And these are signs back, you know, go give someone a hug, whether it's your daughter, whether it's your husband, wife, your coworker, it doesn't matter. Give someone a hug. Affection is very good for your brain, very good for your mental health. The third is accomplishment. Start your day off with a win. How you start your day will influence your day. So even if it's making up your bed, I used to go outside before we got rid of my basketball goal. I would put it on seven foot. I would go dunk a basketball because <laughs> it just made you feel powerful and accomplished. So I would do that. You can wash your dishes, whatever you may be. Like start your day off with a win. It's very important. And the fourth thing is activity. Um, activity releases endorphins. So I always say movement is the conqueror to depression, to anxiety. A lot of people stay still and they stay stuck. So you want to get out and move. And my thing was hiking. And that's what protecting your peace was for me. I would get out in nature because I feel nature heals. I always say, you know, nature is God's natural medicine for the soul. And so I fell in love with hiking. I fell in love with getting on the trails and going for a run. And before 12 p.m., this might sound crazy to people, but before 12 p.m., it's me time. My wife knows it. My family knows it. Of course, I take my son to school. And I tell people that I have to take time for myself because I will become a better version of myself when I show up for you. And if I don't take time for myself, I'm going to be a stressed out, 
of me that you probably don't want to be around. And so take time for yourself. If it's 30 minutes, an hour a day, or if it's like me, you know, before a certain time, so you can show up the best version of yourself for the people that need you to be. That's really good. Yeah, I, I can echo without using the exact acronyms that you were using with the A's that those things are huge in my life. I just make the bed every day and my wife looks at me, why do you make the bed every day? I said, I just need to do something in the morning when I first wake up to to feel like I accomplished something, like you said, achievement and accomplishment. And then I go for a walk every day for 60 minutes and it's just in the morning, first thing, 6 a.m. after my daughter gets on the bus and I just need that time. So I can echo what you said. That's really great advice. He is Trent Shelton, and the book is called The Greatest You. Trent, the last question here on the podcast, again, appreciate your time and and doing this. What are you learning from God today? What is he teaching you during the season of life that you're in? What are you learning from Jesus? That's a great question, Jason. Um, I would have to say, I think God is really working on me to like rediscover who I am at the core. Um, I, I just feel just my definition of success now is peace and just really figuring out like who is Trent Shelton, like despite all the titles, despite all the external things, like who am I at the core? And it's just the journey that I've been on. And the more that I get closer to that person, the more I feel at peace, the more I feel I'm able to be used by God more. So God's is really, I wouldn't say isolating me in that way from other people, but he's really having me look at myself on a deeper level to find out who I truly am without the titles and expectations that the world puts on me. He is Trent Shelton, the former NFL wide receiver, now considered one of the most impactful speakers of this generation, reaching over 50 million people weekly through various social media outlets. And of course, the nonprofit Rehab Time and that great organization in the new book, called The Greatest You, released May 7th. Check it out. The website is trentshelton.com. You can check out all information about Trent and the new book there. And Trent, listen, man, it's been great to get to know you and connect with you, and I look forward to having you back on here sometime. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Jason. I really appreciate you, man. Can't wait to connect later on. Many thanks to Trent Shelton for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Check him out on Twitter, at Trent Shelton. He's on Facebook and Instagram as well, and the website, TrentShelton.com. And again, the new book called The Greatest You, released May 7th, 2019. Thanks to Trent for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. We also want to thank our sponsors, Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. The greatest privilege in our lives is when we can give back and help others. And that's what compassion allows you and I to do. For $38 a month, you can release a child from poverty. We're talking about education, food, medical care, vocational training. It's done in Jesus' name. It works. It's the most trusted child development ministry in the world. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. Thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate you. If this is the first time that you've heard the Sports Spectrum Podcast, thank you. Welcome aboard. Thanks for checking us out. Do us a quick favor. Go to the podcast app and click on that subscribe button and never miss an episode of the Sports Spectrum Podcast. We've done over 300 of these and so many great stories, so many awesome testimonies and journeys of people that intersect sports and faith and point people back to Jesus Christ. And we just love you guys and so grateful that you're listening and want you to be able to listen to more 
interviews, and we'll keep bringing these interviews to you as long as we can, as long as the Lord allows us to do that. So check it out and make sure you hit that subscribe button. We also want to point you to our social media pages. Sports underscore spectrum is our handle. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can check us out there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Lots of great videos on our Sports Spectrum page. And of course, the website where all of our content can be found, sportspectrum.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Sports Spectrum podcast. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your day.